Truth Espresso, episode 168. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hey there, this is Daniel Minnick, your host for Truth Espresso, and we're coming out with you with another episode on this nasty abortion bill. If you listened to the last episode last week, my wife Chelsea and I talked about HB 221279, which was the Reproductive Health Equity Act and um, mentioned how it was being fast-tracked and on its way surely to the governor's office for him to sign, and the governor Polis said that he was very likely to sign it. And so when we recorded the last episode last week, since then, there has been other parts of the process uh, to talk about, particularly the Colorado State Senate and how they dealt with the bill and We're not really surprised at what happened there, but we're going to talk about it. And so here to discuss uh, more about this uh, abortion bill in Colorado to make Colorado officially the worst state in the union concerning abortion is my sweet and beautiful wife and co-host Chelsea. So sweetheart, thank you for doing this with me again. Yes, thanks for having these discussions. (laughs) So, ready to hit this subject and hash out some of the discussions on the Senate floor and shenanigans that went on there? (laughs) I think so. (laughs) And so, just to kind of recap the process that HB 221279, the Reproductive Health Equity Act, and how it went through. So March 9th into March 10th, early morning, it was debated and passed the House, the State House of Colorado, 40 to 24, along party lines. And then on March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, the Senate had the hearing on the bill, and this was uh, for an equally pretty much equally length of time there, about 13 hours of testimonies there, and they had five senators there, three Democrats, two Republicans, and it passed three to two. Thereafter, testimony against the bill, three to one there, ratio of three testifying against it versus one for it, the same with in the House, and yet the House still passed it. So the House passed it despite all this testimony about how awful it is. Then the Senate, likewise, on March 17th. And then, since we did the episode on Tuesday, March 22nd, the Senate floor had the debate there, and they had the full Senate there, 20 Democrats and 15 Republicans. And so, no shock there, the bill passed 20 to 15 from the Senate floor after a long debate 
including proposed amendments. And so, as of this moment, it is going to show up at Governor Polis's desk soon, and he's going to likely sign it soon, unless a miracle changes his mind because uh, he said that he's going to sign it and so despite arguments from both sides on the bill each time it was heard and debated no one changed positions so sweetheart you remember what some of the senators from both sides said on the floor as they were debating the bill before we get to the amendments <laughs> Sure. So it was very interesting to hear most of that discussion through the Senate and hearing the Republicans and their points that they would bring up. And just I thought it was really encouraging and positive to hear how they I don't know if there was any Republican that did not. But from what I recall, all the Republicans said that life begins at conception and that a baby deserves the right to live. And that's according to God's word. And that's also according to the Constitution. So it was really neat to just see that we had a lot of voices speaking up for the unborn, speaking mm-hmm. truth, standing up for just even what our country is founded on, the Constitution. And I mean, when you have the Constitution mostly founded on God's word, then you're going to have truth and principle. And they kept holding to that. And then you have the other side, the Democrats, that were very outspoken about how this needed to be a right, and it's an inherent right Mm -hmm. for women to have access to abortion. And I think the sad part with their whole debate is that, okay, we know abortion harms the unborn child. They are denying that an unborn baby has any rights at all. And their argument was that there's no defining line as to when a person has the right to life, has right um, for protection, because they said that it is based on each individual scenario. (laughs) So basically, we have moral relativism Mm -hmm. talking about the very life of a person. (laughs) And so that was one side of it. The other side is that they totally disregard the effects that abortion has on women, even commenting on the fact that post-abortion syndrome is a fallacy and something that's made up Mm -hmm. by the anti-abortion people. Even though we heard testimonies from psychiatrists, from doctors, from Mm -hmm. different crisis pregnancy centers, and I know even (laughs) in our clinic, too, just seeing that post-abortion stress syndrome is, in fact, a real thing, and a lot of women do struggle with that. And it makes Mm -hmm. sense, just (laughs) thinking of it scientifically. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because if... If what we're saying is true, that we're dealing with a human life, of course there's going to be such a thing because reality hits people and they realize, wait a minute, I'm complicit in taking the life of a human being here, my own flesh and blood, you know, like... 
I remember I was reading, I think it was yesterday, I was reading um, as a Healthline article talking about whether post-abortion syndrome is real and, you know, saying some people, their opinion that it's real, other medical people say it's not real, and then they try to blow it off as kind of like, well, of course, you know, when you're dealing with the stress of whether you want to be a parent or not, you know, and terminate a pregnancy, you know, you might feel rushed, you might feel like you don't know everything, and things like that where it's like, there's immediate stress, but it, there, it doesn't really have long-term effects. You know, that part is likely made up and stuff, but <laughs> trying to explain it away is just something that's like, you know, you just need to be fully informed, you know, of course, not fully informed about the life inside you, but fully informed as to your rights and, you know, make sure that you just know everything about whether you're prepared or not and, you know, and know that this is a safe procedure and stuff and don't worry, we're here to help you, you know, work through it and stuff. And so, yeah, most mainline medical care pro-abortion, you know, will deny that such a thing exists and say that it's mostly, you know, in your head or just an immediate thing, no long-term thing. So I was interested in looking at, too, because as providers, we have to assign a diagnosis (laughs) code with the different issues that come up. And I was like, I remember reading in the DSM book, and that's how to diagnose different mental health problems, specifically, um, that there was one about post-abortion syndrome. So I was looking that up. And so back in the early publication of the DSM, (laughs) three, I believe it was, there was post-traumatic stress disorder, so PTSD, mm-hmm. and then listed under that was the title abortion. So mm-hmm. abortion was one of the factors oh, yeah. that could cause PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> and then in 1994, all of a sudden they removed the uh, word abortion from there. Uh, yeah. And so I was just reading some articles about how it's, very political that they removed that out of mm. there and it's not even based on <laughs> medical research yeah data <laughs> that's what i was gonna say like somehow there is a scientific discovery that there is no such a thing you know obviously the whole pro-abortion thing is political not scientific you know because as we know science more and more proves you know beyond a shadow of a doubt hey, life begins at conception and we could see just how early on more and more you know we could see that a heartbeat starts earlier than we thought we see the details of a baby earlier than we originally thought science proves more and more pro-life but yeah the push for abortion more and more is just because of politics (laughs) just like removing abortion for ptsd yeah. So then the final part of the floor debate that kind of stuck out was just the concern for minors being able to mm. access an abortion. Yeah. So in the state of Colorado, it's interesting. We have a parent notification law. So that means a child under 18, an adolescent, 
if they want an abortion, they have to notify a parent or a caregiver 48 hours prior to having the abortion procedure. Mm -hmm. And so notification is different than consent. So they just are basically telling them, hey, I'm going to go ahead and do this. And then they can have the procedure. And some states, they have a parent consent where they actually have to get the parent's permission to have an abortion procedure. But Colorado thinks that even the notification is mm-hmm. causing undue burden on these girls. <laughs> and we have quite a few lawyers who will actually represent girls in front of a judge to demonstrate that she does not need to follow that law and can have the abortion without notifying her parents either. And the concern with this new bill coming in, mm-hmm. the Bill 1279, is that this would override and in the wording, it says this even, that any state laws that could potentially cause hardship for the woman to access or the girl to access abortion doesn't hold up. So there was a lot of concern from the opponents to the bill that this would allow minors to get an abortion without their parents knowing anything oh, yeah. about it. Yeah. But then the proponents of the bill are saying, oh, no, the notification law is still going to stand up. But there just was not good evidence that that was the case. And I know a couple lawyers that were opponents of the bill even brought this up, too, that it's so vague in the Bill 1279 that it can easily be interpreted that a minor does not have to get any parental involvement at all which is scary in a lot of different aspects, but most concerning that if this girl has complications Mm. from that, then her parents may not know how to handle it Mm. or what's going on. Yeah. And that could be a deadly outcome. (laughs) Yeah. Cause yeah, if they're keeping it a secret from their own parents, you know, that's kind of a scary thing, which yeah, it's like, okay, it's kind of scary at this point, even to have your kids go to public school anymore, because then who knows what could be going on in the school there. And if your kids, you know, young child is going to end up getting pregnant, of course, with all the ridiculous classes and stuff, subject matter that's being taught that seems to want to prey on children and teach them things they shouldn't be learning at young ages and wrong understandings of topics like that but then it's like think your young teen or tween could end up being pregnant without your knowledge and then having an abortion killing the baby in it without your knowledge you know and the school can do that and adding insult to injury having health complications from that and stresses and post-abortion syndrome and stuff like that without your knowledge and you know you're helpless really to do anything anything about that until it could be too late you know and i remember sweetheart talking about the absurdity of the fact that if your child you know has a headache in school they have to consult you as the parent to give your child tylenol while the same child can kill a baby and you know have that what they call a medical procedure for an abortion without your knowledge and without your consent but they have to get your consent to give Tylenol. And the same thing as we mentioned in earlier episodes about IUDs, you know, the affect your hormones for young girls, you know, so that they can have relationships and the IUDs allegedly would prevent pregnancies and stuff. But 
the IUDs can harm young children too and without parents knowing about that you know it's just ridiculous that you know a total breakdown of the family and pitting parents against their children and laws and schools getting in the way and yeah <laughs> it's just pretty crazy and to get back to the Senate floor there, of course, you know, as you mentioned, the, the Republicans did a pretty good job. You know, I think some are more precise than others, but they did a pretty good job making the case. And yeah, and f when you listen to the pro-life side and then the pro-abortion side, it's kind of like almost like talking night and day or even talking past each other because they're not talking about the same points, you know. It's like you're not going to hear the pro-abortion Democrats there arguing for the bill, actually talking about what happens, what is the unborn, and what happens, you know, which is kind of ridiculous. Like, how many times do the Republicans make the case, like, you know, you're ripping apart a child in the womb, you know, you're crushing a skull, like they mention that over and over again, you know, you're injecting them with poison, and do the Democrats ever talk about that you know of course not all they talk about is like they're gonna pound the table and talk about women's reproductive rights but they totally ignore everything what it's about they're totally totally ignore the science of what's actually going on and you think it's just look <laughs> be honest and say what actually happens admit admit when you're talking about what has rights they just want to refer to fertilized egg and embryo and fetus and pretend that it's not a human being pretend that it doesn't feel pain pretend that it doesn't have human parts that get harmed and you know like no matter what's presented to them on the other side is just kind of like turn their head and just yell about how do we make sure women are equal to men in their reproductive rights like you know that's what's so frustrating about the pro-abortion side and all this is that no matter how many times you mention what's actually happening with an abortion they don't care. They want to pretend none of that exists. They want to make sure women or, excuse me, pregnant people <laughs> just don't even think about what's happening. It's just a medical procedure, you know. And like, I want to say that if you're going to preach and make a case for something, you have to present all the factors. If you have to pretend that something doesn't exist or something isn't true, no matter what's pointed out to you you know really what are you arguing what are you preaching about you know it's like if you can't admit and own up to what's going on why are you acting like you're fighting for civil rights here you know that's what really irked me when i listened to these arguments you know mm -hmm. Yeah, like we heard one senator lady who is like pretty much just yelling at the other side and saying, you know, politicians need to get their boot off our ovaries, you know. Although, yeah. <laughs> I have to say that we shouldn't call her a lady because <laughs> yeah. ladies don't say things like that. <laughs> yeah, ladies don't believe in killing children, especially their own. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry.
<laughs> yeah. Just my little nuance there sometimes. Yeah. But I'm just pointing out like how frustrating it is to hear. Like if you're going to hear a debate on an issue, you'd think there'd be like common ground where both sides would talk about the same thing and be like trying to argue the merits of their case, not like talking past each other where one side's talking about the science of human development, the fact that it's a human person person and what an abortion does like not one democrat ever in the house or the senate mentioned anything about what an abortion actually is you know and if you're going to talk about the right to abortion and yet you can't even define it you know you can't even say well yeah we admit that it rips limbs from children uh. <laughs> It's like, it, that's what just irks me about it. You can't, you know, it's a complete shibboleth for the pro-abortion Democrats to actually simply admit what it is that they're fighting for. And you bring up a good point, too, that a lot of times in their discussions and debates, and also in the reading the bill, they change some of the terminology. Mm, so instead yeah. of even calling it abortion, mm. they're calling it abortion care. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> and that was one thing that was brought up. I know we'll get into the amendments here, too, but actually trying to remove care from that because the point was this isn't a type of care that you think of as you would like actually caring for the unborn person instead of killing them. That's not care. And same with just the bill title and some of the wording throughout the bill as well about it being reproductive health care. And that the bill was actually focused on just abortion access or being able to get an abortion and not the whole realm of reproductive health care. So one of the arguments was, okay, you don't hear about it's really hard for women to get prenatal care or postpartum care. Like we really need to have more access for this. It was all about the abortion part. So another amendment I know that they brought up too was trying to eliminate the word reproductive health care and limit it to just abortion since that's what the bill was addressing specifically. So do you want to get into some of the amendment parts? Oh, yes, definitely, sweetheart, because this was one of the very interesting and long periods of the Senate floor here. So the Republicans brought up, knowing that this bill is going to pass, this was the time where the Republicans are trying to introduce amendments some of them would clarify the language because, you know, we mentioned last week, the last episode, just how broad and sweeping and ambiguous some of the languages of this is, where it raises questions, as even some of the Republicans would ask the Democrats, the sponsors of the bill there, when does someone get these alleged rights if we can't define when someone officially becomes a person, given the terms of this bill, you know, and the Democrats would refuse to give a clear answer on that. The same with parental rights and stuff. We'll talk about amendments there. But the Republicans brought up amendments, and I don't know how unusual this is, but absolutely none of the amendments were passed. You know, it's like basically the rough draft of the bill isn't going to end up being signed by the governor. And you think most bills end up getting amendments because it's kind of like writing a rough draft of a paper 
paper. You got you know, someone proofreads it and asks you questions and like, okay, we need to clarify here, you know, need to choose words more wisely here and stuff, or maybe you need to strike this out, maybe you need to add this. So even as kind of like a last ditch effort by the Republicans to try to make this bill like less ridiculous or even just to clarify for some concerns, the Democrats blatantly refused to budge on their knowingly obscure, broad sweeping language that basically they expect people to be satisfied with them merely saying, well, it's not the intention of this bill or the language of this bill isn't intended or other laws will still be in effect despite the language in this bill. But you wonder what their intentions are going to be after it passes. So one of the more kind of general amendments that they brought up, the First Amendment, which, yeah, the Republicans were very shocked that they Hmm. did not want to pass this amendment. But (laughs) the First Amendment had to do with clarifying that this bill, 1279, would not in any way affect the parental notification bill. Mm -hmm. And that was the proponents for the bill. That was their argument that this bill would not do that. Mm -hmm. So they were trying to have an amendment just to clarify that that's what this bill was in fact going to do. And they shot down two variations of that as well. So something they thought like, okay, this is what you're saying. Let's just add this in here. So there's no confusion. Exactly. And it was shot down in both ways that they tried to word that as well. Yeah, which is kind of strange. It's like, okay, answer the question. Would this interfere with this? No. Well, then can we get that in writing? No. You know, that's the way the Democrats were. It's like, okay, like, are you willing to put your money where your mouth is? Or, you know, are you willing to put in writing what you've just told me? Oh, of course not. They're, They're probably hoping that everything is hazy so that the threats of lawsuits from people will shut them up from exercising what is admittedly their legal rights under other Colorado laws. Yeah, do you have other amendments there to talk about, sweetheart? Yeah, I was thinking we can just do a couple of the more general ones before you. Oh yeah, get to that one. <laughs> yeah, because I okay. have I have one that was a a pretty interesting and the longest amendment to add there, and I think it was a pretty you know interesting tactic by the Republicans. Of course, it was shot down, but yeah, which ones you want to get to next, babe? Another one that was interesting that they shot down was. <laughs> Mm. Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> this amendment clarified that abortion providers would use sterile instruments mm, yeah. to make sure that we were providing care mm. for women yeah. by making sure it's safe, clean, sterile instruments. And they shot that one down. Yeah. Which, you know, it seems like, okay, if you care about women, like we're we're not even talking about the whole right to life of the unborn here it's like okay so if we have to concede that this bill's gonna pass can we at least have an amendment to ensure that women are having abortions that their lives are protected their health is protected by having sterile instruments and the democrats didn't want to say anything about it they just voted no and you know which is ridiculous like one of the republicans tweeted like you know you can't make this stuff up because the Democrats shot down an amendment clarifying that 
sterile instruments would be used. Now, I have a theory about why they did that, because now, the pro-abortion people always complain that if you don't have a legal right to abortions, then people will still do abortions anyway, you know, they'll have back alley abortions, you know, they'll do unsafe abortions at home and all this stuff like that. But, of course, you know, even making it legal for the whole term up until birth or whatever that this bill would do, they still want the back alley ones to be legal, you know. So they don't want to, like, okay, well, what if a woman is desperate and can't get to a clinic and they might need to do the back alley thing, you know, they don't just, whatever, they don't want any limitations on it. It's like, if you want an abortion by any means in any location, if you have sterile instruments in a clinic or not, you just, no one should ever have any legal recourse for doing an abortion and by any means from, you know, with any mechanism, with any agent, with any medical provider or not, whatever. There just shouldn't be any complications of that whatsoever legally. I think that's why they shot that one down. And of course, they didn't want to explain it because it would be absurd. <laughs> but of course, you know, I think that's my theory as to why they would actually shoot down that amendment mm. like say or maybe that they might question that well wait a minute um would this outlaw the abortion pill you know would that be not considered a sterile instrument i don't know <laughs> mm. who knows you know that's just my theory on that one yeah Another amendment that they presented had to do with clarifying that the whole reason this bill is even being considered is because the pro-abortion people in Colorado are concerned with the Dobbs versus Jackson mm, case yeah. going before the Supreme Court and the decision coming here in June that they think the decision is going to affect women's access to abortion. And they're trying to proactively make sure that there's no limitations on women if the Dobbs-Jackson mm, does yeah. affect Roe v. Wade. So they're kind of like, okay, let's have this bill here in Colorado just to make sure everything is good and women still have access here in Colorado. So this amendment was trying to clarify, okay, if that is the case, that you're worried about Roe v. Wade being <laughs> overturned or Because the bill limited. actually says that. At the yes. beginning, it, the bill actually mentions the, <laughs> the Dobbs versus Jackson case as the reason for it. So that's, the amendment was like, well, if that because the bill says that... Yeah, so the amendment was asking that this bill 1279 would only be in effect if Roe v. Wade was overturned or had more limitations on women's access. Mm -hmm. So it was not saying the bill would go in effect no matter what. Yeah. It was based on the decision of the Roe v. Wade and <laughs> yeah. the outcome with that. So it's kind of like, well, if that's the concern, then the bill should only be kind of a plan B if and when. So after the Dobbs versus Jackson case is ruled, so the amendment is basically saying the bill goes into effect only if and when. So it would be like in June or something like that. And depending on the results of the case, and of course, the Democrats were like, ha ha ha, no, you know, this must go into effect immediately when the governor signs it, you know. What's the next amendment? <laughs> so I have a couple more to okay. point out. So another one had to do with 
because they're denying the rights of the unborn, they wanted to clarify that this wouldn't affect if a baby was harmed or killed in an accident, such as a reckless driver crashes into a car and a pregnant woman's injured and maybe the baby dies from this accident, then the reckless driver could be charged with some kind of felony. Yeah, a felony. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I think it would be second degree. Oh, okay. Yeah, possibly. But yeah. yeah. So anyways, they could charge him and hold him accountable for the death and loss of that baby. But with Bill 1279, it's saying those babies in any accident like that have no rights and that that person mm. would not be charged. And they just wanted to have an amendment that would clarify that in those cases where the mom did desire Mm -hmm. to have that baby and she was wrongfully (laughs) harmed and that baby's life was taken, that that person could be charged. And (laughs) they still denied that one. Yeah, that's kind of strange because like the bill, at least it does say, you know, no one can interfere with the choice whether to carry a pregnancy to term and have a birth or to uh, choose an abortion. So you think it would go without saying that if a mother was intending to have a child, at least then in this false idea that the mother is a god to declare whether there's value to the baby or not. Not if someone killed the baby against the mother's consent there in reckless driving, that that would then allow the guy to be charged. But of course, the Democrats don't like that. So it's kind of like, okay, you know, what about the mother's desires when she wants to have a child? It seems kind of murky there. Okay, no one will interfere with it. But what if it's taken away? There's no recourse. You know, like the law doesn't provide any kind of recourse if a mother wants to have a child and it's denied her by something beyond her control. Of course, you know, the cult of death strikes again with shooting down that amendment, you know. And of course, talking about these amendments, they're not the pro-life panacea here. They're just kind of like, this bill's going to pass. Can we at least get something? You know, no. (laughs) All right. So the last amendment I was going to bring up was an amendment to clarify that free speech Mm. was not being hindered by this bill. (laughs) because the bill says that no one can interfere with the decision to have an abortion. So, of course, what comes up with that is, well, what about my words? What about my viewpoint expressing that, you know, it's a child in the womb, it's a full human being who has rights? Like, can I speak out against this bill? You know, can I speak and make a pro-life case? You know, we want that clarified, like, speech isn't interfering with a choice here and and they even listed that public entities couldn't mm, yeah be a hindrance to that and so they were clarifying what public entities are defined in the Colorado state law already and that included public education so schools mm-hmm. churches community mm-hmm. service places public health facilities So it encompasses quite a range of services that may tend to speak out or at least offer help and options to these women. So now all these different places, um, crisis pregnancy centers too. that's what I was going to say. And so all these are now going to be on alert because they could be accused of interfering with a woman's decision to have an abortion. 
So it opens up a whole can of worms of how to actually have a discussion about mm, yeah. if this is the right thing or not. They're just saying, no, they should just be able to do it and not even have these discussions. So it's just, again, like we said, it's very broad, very sweeping, just evil yeah. in it to its core, like yes. every single aspect. And I think that's, to me, what stood out the most listening in to the conversations with the Senate and when everyone would vote yay or nay mm. for the amendments or just even when they're talking and presenting information. The pro-abortion people were rude, talking, not really listening to the other side present information and bring up concerns were even brought to them from mm. the community, from yeah. people that yeah. sent them emails and phone calls. They were bringing concerns and trying to let the people be heard in there and representing them mm. like they're supposed to. And these Democrats were rude and not listening. And then when they would vote for stuff and the Democrats would say, nay, it sounded like I'm not kidding. It sounded yeah. like demons yeah. saying something. It sounded like teeth gnashing yeah. when they would say it, like growling or something. Mm, yeah. It was just like sickening to your stomach to hear that. And just hearing that they have no concern whatsoever for the unborn or for the women. Yeah. are just very disheartening. Even for their constituents who express their concerns and even want just simple clarification. Because it seems like they want things to be so broad because they're rubbing their hands thinking of how they can suppress speech, you know, like persecute Christians and pro-life people and just like how to make life difficult. There's always the sort of Damocles hovering over people's heads that they might be sued, you know, for violating the very broad language of the bill and, you know, and like, okay, if an amendment's going to happen, it's going to happen based on a court ruling, you know, uh, that kind of thing. Join us as we take this time to stop and think about it. Hello? Hello, anybody home? I think McFly thinks. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. What were you thinking? We're trying to think, but nothing happens. Don't say anything now. Just think about it. You're listening to Stop and Think About It, a podcast for the Christian thinker. In a day when sound biblical preaching has been replaced by man-centered entertainment and the church has become increasingly anti-intellectual, this podcast will encourage believers to think biblically and theologically. So please join me as we get ready to stop and think about it. Here I am, Phil, the Bronx Expositor, along with my favorite co-host, and only one, Glenroy, the West Indian wordsmith. How you doing, Glenroy? Hello, everybody. We're back. We are back. Greetings, friends and foes, saints and sinners. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Stop and Think About It podcast. Well, thank you for taking this time to stop and think about it. If you would like to contact us, please email us at stopandthinkcrew at gmail.com. You could also visit our website at www.stopandthinkpodcast.com. This podcast is listener-supported by generous people like you. You can give a tax-deductible donation at our affiliate ministry at www.soulfishingministries.org and click on our donate link to give securely through PayPal. 
Thank you for listening to Stop and Think About It. So wasn't there an amendment having to do with the decisions of who to abort, and it was based on ethnicity? So you want to talk about that one, Suyor? Yes. So another concern that they wanted to have an amendment to clarify was that a lot of times abortions, especially later in the pregnancy, abortions can be done for gender. If the woman or couple don't want a certain gender, they can have an abortion. And I should say it actually happens earlier now because there's blood tests you can do as early as six weeks in the pregnancy. And Mm. you can determine if you want the baby or not based on its gender, which is very sickening. Mm. And then another reason some people will have an abortion as well is based on ethnicity. So this amendment wanted to clarify that you cannot have an abortion based on ethnicity. So if you're pregnant with a Latino baby and you don't want it because it's Latino, that doesn't give you the right to kill that baby, is what this bill was trying to clarify. And oh my goodness, (laughs) there was a huge uproar with the pro-abortion, two women in particular, a Latino and a African-American woman. They were just crazed that someone brought up this amendment, which is crazy. You think it's like, okay, like trying to prevent racism in the procedure, the evil procedure of abortion. And the minority senators here were appalled that the amendment would do that. Now they want to turn it on his head and, of course, always act like anything against abortion on demand for any reason is racist itself. But now, obviously, you know, the strength of an amendment like this, you know, could be easily avoided because someone could declare a different reason for the abortion. But still, you know, just that amendment alone, you know, saying that if you're going to have an abortion, you can't be a racist about it. And they're going to act like that's racism, you know, of course, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that one got the most heat (laughs) on the floor, which, you know, you'd think it shouldn't. You'd think they'd say, like, we respect the fact that you're thinking about this, but we don't consider that a sufficient uh, amendment. You know, no, you know. No, well, they were like, it's like, how dare you? Yeah. yeah. How dare you bring this up? And yeah, it was amazing. I mean, it was very close to calling him names and that they couldn't believe he would even bring up the issue of racial stuff. I was like, okay, he's trying to protect racism, but that didn't fly. <laughs> So then here's an amendment that I want to get to that I thought was very interesting. The Republicans had an amendment like, okay, the amendment didn't change anything about what the bill would do. It basically just introduced language to clarify because since the bill mentions abortion or abortion care, this amendment has like three added paragraphs to explain, well, the amendment says abortion, so for the purpose of defining that the bill is going to explain what an abortion is you know (laughs) so just a disclaimer for our listeners if there are any young kids listening to this the bill does describe in detail what the abortions do Mm -hmm. and if that's something that you don't want your younger children to listen to then just want to 
give you fair warning. <laughs> yeah, if you need to fast forward through some of this, but I want to read some of it because the Republicans wanted to make sure to get the truth about what an abortion is, even in a pro-abortion bill. So it mentions on page 4 after line 23 to insert number 5, surgical abortion means A, you know, and it lists what type of abortions are done at different uh, stages. So it says for A, for the first 13 weeks of a pregnancy, a suction dilation and curettage, also known as a DNC, after dilating the cervix, a suction curette is inserted into the uterus to remove the baby and placenta. The baby is Hold apart as it is suctioned. A sharp curette may be used to ensure no placenta or baby parts are left in the uterus, which may result in what is called an incomplete abortion. Because that is a concern, you know, that if you don't remove all the fetal parts, you can end up with an infection. Yeah, this is the reality of what we're talking about when we talk about the right to an abortion. Because these are the risks that when you kill the baby and pull it apart, you can end up with an infection if they don't remove it. And when they remove the baby and the parts, they assemble the parts into the baby again to make sure that nothing's left behind. You know, that's the reality of what we're talking about here. B, from 14 to 20 weeks of a pregnancy, a dilation and evacuation, also known as a D&E, after the cervix is dilated, a suction curette is placed into the uterus to remove amniotic fluid. Soffer ovum forceps, which have two rows of teeth on each side for grasping, are inserted into the uterus to grab a part of the baby and remove it, and this is repeated until all the baby parts are removed. Each part is collected to account for all the baby parts. The head must be crushed, and the Republicans mention that, to decrease the head size for removal. The suction cannula or sharp curette is then inserted to remove the placenta and remaining baby fragments. And then part C, after 24 weeks of a pregnancy, an abortion is an induced labor after causing the death of the baby. Typically, this occurs by injecting into the baby or amniotic fluid a toxic dose of digoxin a drug normally used to treat heart disease. It may take many hours for the baby to die, and a woman may be told to expect very vigorous kicking from the baby. Digoxin toxicity causes nausea, vomiting, dizziness, confusion, anxiety, hallucination, palpitations, and weakness. If an ultrasound the next day shows the baby is alive, digoxin is repeated. Induction may be done with medication, misoprostol, or sometimes pitocin, and takes two to four days to complete. Forceps or other instruments may be required to deliver the baby. Yeah, that is a very gruesome description of abortion at three stages of pregnancy, and it's truthful. And, of course, the Republicans brought up and said, look, if this is what this bill is supporting, then why not be truthful and accurate? Like, why not face the music and deal with what you're actually promoting? Of course, you know, they read that. So the truth was there about what abortion does. And, of course, the Democrats had the opportunity to debate and explain why They didn't want this amendment. And of course, they kept their lips zipped. They said nothing about it. All they did was vote no. And of course, that was one where they shouted out nay to pass that amendment. But you'd think 
you know, they could at least give the decency of explaining why or explain, or at least try to prove the case that there's some inaccuracies there. No, they think the silence is deafening there where they're not going to dispute the language. They're just going to pretend that we can just ignore that. You know, I think that was very revealing, you know. And sweetheart, didn't you read that some people who heard this, who actually heard that, were kind of shocked to discover some people didn't really even know what was involved in abortions, and they heard that. And of course, if they're pro-abortion people, but they didn't really realize what an abortion involved, you'd think they were probably miserably disappointed that the Democrats didn't shoot that down and say, oh, this is just propaganda. But yet they didn't. I think they were disappointed. And like, why didn't the Democrats debate this and explain why it was wrong? Explain why it's just propaganda, it's inaccurate, you know, what's wrong with that language and why we can ignore it instead of, I mean, why we can just vote no on, nay on it without disputing it? <laughs> that really opened some eyes. <laughs> But yet, I remember, uh, didn't some Democrat there explain that pregnancy is more dangerous than abortion? And that's why it's important <laughs> that we have abortion rights and stuff, you know. But as dangerous as pregnancy is, that's why we're all here. You know? And of course, years ago, abortions were incredibly dangerous. Now, of course, abortions uh, have become safer in the sense of sterile instruments and stuff that the Democrats didn't want to put in the amendment. But so has pregnancy, you know, as medical science has progressed, you know, it's a lot safer now to have children. <laughs> but of course, the Democrats want you to think that pregnancy is dangerous and abortion is the safest thing you can get. It's safer than Tylenol. <laughs> it just reminds me of a couple of verses. <laughs> yeah. The first one from Psalms, we have this up on our wall with <laughs> all the precious pictures of our children, yeah. but that children are a blessing. Mm. I know different Oh, is this different translations will use the word blessing or a heritage. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Yes, yeah. and I don't know. I just, <laughs> it's so hard as a mom to just think that this is something that women want mm. and are willing to fight so hard for because God made women to bear children. And he says that mm. children are a blessing. Yeah. You want to talk about science and nature? It's right there. <laughs> it's uh, baked into the nature of women, the science of how their reproductive system works to have children. You know, include everything from hormones and embryonic development. There's a symbiosis there between how the mother's body progresses through pregnancy for just what the baby needs. Now, they're, of course, with a fallen world, there can be complications, and we have the advanced medicine that can aid that too. But normally speaking, you know, the, the mother's system is developed to nourish and feed and allow the baby to grow in the safe environment there. Yeah. <laughs> and so the ability that God created women to be able to bear children doesn't make women less than men or. <laughs> yeah have detrimental <laughs> lives because they're made to bear children. 
And throughout this whole discussion with the Senate and the House, the proponents were constantly saying that a woman should have the ability to say when, where, and with whom Mm. they have children. Mm. And nowhere... In the scripture, do you find that that's how God tells us to procreate? Yeah, like almost like it's some sterile laboratory of, you know, um, experimenting and figuring out what's going to work out. And yeah, I remember one of the women senators there who said something about like, we women, we have a common bond with each other. You know, we may not know each other personally, but we have a common bond, you know, and, and trying to act like the right to abortion, always referring to it as reproductive choice and stuff like that. But the right to abortions is, you know, she's trying to claim that that's like part of the common bond that all women have. We don't not know each other personally, but we have this community. We have this bond. Every woman has this bond with each other and trying to act like this aspect of choice and stuff is part of that. Well, of course, I know, sweetheart, you don't share that with her you know, as a woman. <laughs> um. Yeah. <laughs> and the last verse I was thinking of just about how evil this mm. bill is and just the proponents and how they view life. And this verse is repeated in multiple books in the Bible, but I'll read it from Matthew 18, verse 6. It says, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the Mm. sea. Yeah, in other words, you know, those who would want to get in the way of children, you know, Jesus is basically saying, you know, it's better for you to have a death sentence than that you do that. And (laughs) that's the justice because Jesus, you know, these were brathos in the Greek, you know, very young children, infants, you know, coming to him. And he cared about children even when his disciples didn't understand just how important they were to Jesus and his disciples didn't get it as well, you know. How much should we understand with Jesus' words just how important children are? And they're not just children until they're a year outside the womb or whatever. They're children by design, you know, in the womb, which is how we all get here. And yeah, it's life beginning at conception just as God designed and he didn't design the way we are fruitful and multiply and fill the earth as it says in the the command in Genesis in such a way where nature is some barrier to our rights. (laughs) I have some verses here. Hosea 4 verses 1 through 2 there's a condemnation given to Israel where Yahweh God says hear the word of the Lord Ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, no mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood toucheth blood. That very much describes the state of Colorado with the legislature here and their zeal for killing children in the womb. 
I also have James 5, verses 5 through 6, with the Apostle James describing the attitudes of people. He says, Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth, and been wanton. You have nourished your hearts, as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. And so, yeah, this is describing people who are willing to kill those who don't deserve to be killed because they want to live in their understanding of pleasure, even if they're really suffering. And that's the case that seems to be made. Like women are all these women who are living in poverty and poor and they can't afford to have children. So they have the right to (laughs) live in pleasure. And you mentioned, sweetheart, have you with whom we want. And basically it seems like jump from partner to partner until I figure out someone who maybe I want to live with. And, you know, that goes for guys too, of course, you know, I'm very big on (laughs) speaking out about about the deadbeat boyfriends who abandon, you know, women or demand that they kill their children because they don't want to be responsible for having to work and care for and support a wife and children. But yeah, we have these um, people who want to live in pleasure on the earth and want to kill the just who don't resist them. And yeah, the Apostle James seems to be very clearly also describing our state of Colorado and the evil government (laughs) that is intent on supporting this culture of death. And so, as we record this episode, the bill will be headed soon to Governor Polis's desk, and I would like to ask you to pray that God will work, that God will enact justice, that God will punish where it's fit to punish, that God will open eyes, that God will protect children, even if this thing likely becomes law, that still doesn't mean that people have to kill children and pray that God will bring a revival to the state. And I'd like to mention that as of this recording, Saturday, there's going to be you know a march by the Capitol, and there will be several people there, including Patrick Neville, who was one of the Republican representatives there in the House. He was 100% pro-life, and also Jeff Durbin, who heads up the End Abortion Now campaign, will also be there. So look forward to these uh, mighty men of God and their testimonies and their efforts to bring truth and save children. And so definitely pray for truth to make it to the ears and eyes of people in Colorado and stay tuned for the next episode of Truth Espresso and God bless. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso. 